of the Lord is our strength. And we thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit, who's the author and the one that gives us and brings us that joy. And we thank you, Lord, for that joy to rise up tonight and in the days ahead. We thank you, Father God, for your presence this night. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the great teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to review quickly and and, uh, give you some some different scriptures. We said the manifestation of joy in your life as a believer is not dependent upon circumstances, but a quality decision to live in and act upon the word of God in spite of those circumstances. So you could be going through something right now, but it doesn't mean the enemy has to steal your joy. Amen? Now, I found a definition. When I look up for definitions and, and found Dick Mills, and he says, joy is not an emotion. We've already learned that. It's an attribute of God. Joy affects the emotions. Instead of being saddened by the hardships of life, joy will make you glad as you serve the Lord. It does affect your responses and how you feel, but joy has its origin in the Godhead. It originates in the personality of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I found also this one, David Hernandez, when I was reading in his book, he says this, through serving Jesus, you can lose your intimacy with him and lose your joy in serving him. Therefore, joy is impossible to maintain without a vital connection to the Savior. So if you don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus, you're going to have a hard time maintaining your joy. And we could say, if you don't have an intimate time in the Word every day, because Jesus is the Word. So you and I have to have our nose in the book consistently if we're going to maintain maintain our joy. Look at Acts 13. I found this today, Acts 13. I'm going to read in, in verse 49. Acts 13, verse 49, it says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution. What did they raise up? Persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and and came to Iconium. Now listen, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy... And the conjunction, and with what? The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Being spirit-filled is synonymous with being filled with joy. Okay, being spirit-filled is synonymous, is being filled with joy. And and we can see that, I, I had you say the word, but they'd raised up persecution. See, joy is prevalent when you're going through persecution. Joy is prevalent when you're going through hard times. Is this nation going through hard times? Is this state and community going through difficult times? That doesn't mean that the enemy should rob us of our joy. We should have more joy. And if you if you look at this in the Greek, um, I found out that it's that they were continuously filled with joy, and it's because of 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 the way that's written in that sentence structure, it means continually, continually. It's not a one-time thing, but you can continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? 
You and I can continually receive infillings of the Holy Spirit and be refreshed by the Holy Spirit. And as we receive those infillings and those refreshings of the Holy Spirit, we can receive joy. So the, the, it's so important. The Holy Spirit's the author, the instigator of that joy. And that's why it's so important to be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. Then we learn that God's word produces joy Jeremiah 15 says, your words were found and I did what? Eat them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So where's the word? Where's the joy begin? With the word. So if you and I are not partaking of the word of God consistently on a consistent basis, then we're going to struggle with joy. That's why Satan's goal is to steal the word of God out of your heart because he knows if he can steal the word, he can what? Steal the joy out of your heart, rob you of your joy. If he takes your joy, then what else does he have? If he can steal your joy, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if he, if you're not in the word, you know, he, he steals that joy, then you're not going to be a strong believer. It's that simple. Then we learn you and I must give voice to our joy. In Jeremiah 33, it says, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice, five times that word voice, of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. So you and I need to open our mouth and give voice It's part of that when we praise God on a regular basis, especially when we don't feel like it. Do you ever have a day when you don't feel like it? Does that mean you don't have any joy? No. But you just got, you have to, and I'll never forget the story that Hagen told when I was at school, and maybe some of you read about it. He had a knock at the door, and he and his wife were in bed, and it was late, and middle of the night, and here was two women, and and uh, she was sick, and, and uh, basically it, it came down to this. And he, he basically told her, you have to stir up on the inside that joy. And so they, he says, now, I don't feel anything right now. It was the middle of the night. He's probably grumpy. And he just started, to, he just began to praise God and worship God. Pretty soon that joy bubbled forth. And that's what that woman had to learn. And that's what you and I have to learn. Even when our flesh doesn't feel like it, we have to, by faith, worship God and release that joy. Amen. Now, we also learn that God meets us when we rejoice. In Isaiah 64, 5, speaking of God the Father, you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness. So I I want God to meet me. Amen? You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness. Then we learn, finally, that God laughs at the enemy. I want you to look at, in fact, you don't need to. I'll read it to you in Psalms 37. Verse 12, David says, The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. Do you think the Lord is laughing at Satan right now? Should we be? Yeah, he's a defeated foe. And, and he's, he's going to lose big time in the days ahead. The Lord laughs at him for he sees that his day is coming. Biden's day is coming. Harris's day is coming. McConnell's day is coming. Soros's day is coming. And we could go on and on and on. 
Amen. It, it's coming. Now, I want to talk for the last few remaining minutes here. Joy is a spiritual force and is released through laughter. Joy is a spiritual force and is released through laughter. I've got all the books on Smith Wigglesworth, and I like to go through these books because it tells what kind of man he was. He wasn't just a spiritual man, but I I found out when I was reading this that he had a sense of humor. And so I want to read to you this. The great man of God, people were raised from the dead in his ministry. But the man had a sense of humor. And so we've got to learn in the days ahead to laugh. When John was here with, with Jesus Day, we laughed. And, and you know, and I, I know, I, I swear, I just know Sunday when we were worshiping, it was just different. It was unique. And it was just like God was pouring out that corporate anointing. And I could sense it. Sometimes I don't sense it, but I could sense the people were hooking up. And there was that. We were in unison. We were in agreement. And there was that joy. He says this about or Wigglesworth. He says, I've said that Brother Wigglesworth had a strong sense of humor. As an example, the following rather amusing incident was related to me by a pastor. During a convention meeting in this pastor's church, there was a full congregation of people and a number of ministers sitting on the platform. Brother Wigglesworth, being one of them, was seated next to this pastor. (coughs) On one side of the hall, there was an old lady. We don't have any old ladies here, do we? No, all young ladies. There was an old lady. Now, he goes on. He was very careful how he said this. A simple soul. (laughs) That's a nice way of saying she was a dingy old lady. A simple soul. Evidently full of the joy of the Lord, she kept repeating the phrase, Glory, Luya. Glory, Luya. Glory, Luya. Brother Wigglesworth couldn't quite make it out, so he asked the pastor, what's that old lady keep saying? The pastor replied, she keeps repeating, Glory, Luya. Well, Brothers Wigglesworth, uh, well, said Brothers Wigglesworth, just go down and tell her to say one thing or the other. Glory or hallelujah. One or the, you know, so he, he dealt with it, didn't he? He says, there was a period when Wigglesworth believed with all his heart that he would not die but would live on to see the rapture. He used to talk about, this is back in the early 40s, he used to talk about living on even though he was well past his 80th year. On this issue, a friend once took him to task. It's all very well, Brother Wigglesworth, that you talk about living on, but where's your authority? The Bible says the days of our years are three score and ten, and by reason of strength they may be four score years, but you've already had more than four score years. Where's it say that, said Brother Wigglesworth? In the 90th Psalm. Well, replied Wigglesworth, what are you bothering about? I'm not living in the 90th Psalm. I'm living in the 91st. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Sometime after this, we were dining together with Brother Watson, a pastor of an assembly. To Brother Watson, I said, you know, Brother Wigglesworth is going to live on. He's living in the 91st Psalm that says, with long life, will I satisfy him? That's right, said Wigglesworth. But I've got another scripture now. What's that? Then came his reply, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, yet his day shall be 120 years. 
Humorously, Brother Watson said, you've made rather a mistake there. Now we know how long you're going to live, and you've put a ring around it. You've limited yourself. Well, said Wigglesworth, maybe when I've lived 120 years, I'll feel like I've lived long enough. But if I'm not satisfied, I'll just go back to the 91st Psalm. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So he had a sense of humor. Probably not like what we have today. But you've got to learn to laugh. Amen. We have, my brother-in-law, we were at, before bedtime, we'd, I said, you need to sit down. I'd start was playing comedians on, on TV to make him laugh and he didn't like the one I picked. So then he told me what the one he liked. He sucked. It was terrible. But to save peace, you know, not argue. I didn't say anything. But he did like one of them. One of them we were listening to, he was laughing. But we've got to learn. Look at Job 5. Job 5. You and I in the days ahead and your families, you're going to have to learn how to laugh at your circumstances. You and I are going to have to learn how to laugh. Anybody have any circumstances right now? Whether it's physical circumstances, financial circumstances, relationship circumstances, whatever it is, husband-wife circumstances, you're going to have to learn how to laugh at those circumstances. Amen? Now look at this. This is in Job 5. I'm going to start in verse 17. It says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. In famine, he shall redeem you from death, and in war, from the power of the sword. Aren't those good scriptures? I like those. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes, you shall what? Laugh at destruction and famine. Say that. Laugh at destruction and famine, and you shall not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. That, that includes Bigfoot, too. Okay. Verse 23, For you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. Now, this is good. Verse 24, you shall know that your tent is in peace. Now, you don't live in a tent, but you live in a house, so you can claim this promise. You shall know that your tent is in peace. You shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. If you're going out of town, speak that scripture over your home and your belongings. That's good. You shall also know that your descendants shall be many. Amen. I'm still waiting. For some descendants. I'm still waiting. Well, he needs a wife. I'm, I'm, my chances are better with the two of you. <laughs> you shall know your descendants shall be many, and your offspring like the grass of the earth. Wow. You shall come to the grave at a full age as a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. Behold, this we have searched out. It is true. Hear it and know for yourself. That's a wonderful passage in the Old Testament, see. But this is what I want you to see. You're going to have to learn how to laugh at famine and destruction. You're going to have to learn. I'm going to have to learn in the days ahead because there's going to be some things I believe it's been prophesied going to happen. So what should we do? Quake in fear, we should learn to laugh. Amen? Now, did Job experience famine and destruction? 
But how did it come about? It was brought on by his words. The thing that I feared the most has come upon me. So his words were instrumental in causing some of this destruction. And uh, in Job 2, it says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. But look over a page. Look at Job 6 and verse 24. And this is good, good for all of us. In verse 24, Job says, Teach me and I will what? Hold my tongue. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. So I think Job finally got it before it was all over. It finally sunk in. He had to watch the words of his mouth. And uh, he has to learn, just like you and I have to learn, we're going to have to laugh at our circumstances. And, you know, it's easier to complain. We've talked about that, haven't we? It's easier to complain about our circumstances, but you and I are going to have to learn to laugh at our circumstances. Amen? Now, God doesn't want you and I to pretend that problems don't exist. Got any problems? Do problems exist? It's scriptural to state the problem, but it's more scriptural to state the solution through the word of God. God doesn't want us to pretend that problems don't exist. He's telling us to refuse to let the devil steal our joy. You and I are to laugh at our circumstances because laughter, say this with me, laughter releases joy. Say it again. Laughter releases joy. Now, some people... It's easier for them to laugh. Some people can just be sourpusses. It's, you know, it's hard to get some people to laugh. But uh, I've been blessed because I have a family that, that laughs at me. And I could be sensitive, and, and there's times they've hurt my feelings. Feelings. They've hurt my feelings. But through the years, I've just learned, ah, go with the flow. You know, Whatever. If it makes them happy by making me look, you know, like an idiot. If it makes them feel better, you know, by putting me down. Whatever. But, you know, in, in families, I don't know how your family is, but you've got to learn how to laugh. Have you ever laughed in your family, Stephen, Darla? Yeah. Zach and Kayla? Yeah. Yeah, you got you got to learn how to laugh, and you need to have a good time. And and there's something about it's a release when you laugh. And uh, so in the days ahead, we just have to remind ourselves if we look grumpy and we're frowning, maybe we better learn some jokes or something. Amen. What's uh oh? What's the the, the minister? He always starts his. Bill Johnson, always he's got good jokes. He always starts out with his jokes. Maybe that's what I'm going to have to do in the days ahead. Amen. Now, look at Psalm 32, verse 10. Psalm 32, verse 10. Now it comes down to, we've been talking about joy, but I'm a bottom line kind of guy. And I like things, just just tell it to me straight. And, and, you know, there are people here in this congregation that are like that too. Because usually a pastor will attract people that are like-minded. And, uh, you know, that's just the way I am and that's the way you are. So I'm going to tell you this right now. This word up here, rejoice, it's up to you. 
It's that simple. It's up to me. You come in here on Sunday morning. That's a, I know the Spirit of God had me do that years ago. I came in here and I saw that word rejoice. So when you come in here on a Sunday morning, look at that and remind yourself it's up to you. You and I have a responsibility to put our flesh down and let the spirit man on the inside rise up and worship God. Amen. You might come to church. If you ever come to church and had an argument on the way, some of you are talking about lying. When we were young and first in, in part of coming to Norfolk and Oh my God! It was it was dark. It was it was. We'd come over that viaduct. This is this is. I'm serious. I'm not lying. By the time we got down over that, isn't this true? Over that viaduct, we were in a violent confrontation. Not not physical. I'd never do that because she'd kill me. I fear God, and I fear my wife. And you better fear God, and you better fear my wife. No. But we get in an argument. And we found out it's a spiritual thing. Strife is spiritual. We get over that and come into Norfolk, and back then it was... You know, we, you think it's hard today, and it's difficult today, and there's some struggles today. You should have lived back then and been in Norfolk. Oh, my. But we had to make a decision. If, you know, if you get in an argument on the way, then you better... Kiss and make up before you get here. At least make up. Amen. Are you listening to me, you young ones? Now, you and I can see ourselves defeated. Or we can make a quality decision to see ourselves delivered. You can see yourself defeated or make a quality decision to see yourself delivered. And this is what David did. And in Psalm 32 and verse 10... Psalm 32, verse 10, if I'd find it here. Uh, Psalms 32, verse 10, that's not what I wanted. Well, no, no, just a minute, let me think. Oh, I'm I'm Sorry. Psalm 63. I'll read it to you right. 32 verse 10. It says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and what? So he's telling us to be glad and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. But I wanted you to see Psalm 63. Psalm 63, because this is how we're, we're going to close in these last few scriptures. Because we said, rejoicing... It's up to you. Rejoicing, it's up to me, no matter the circumstances you're going through. In Psalm 63, in verse 7, he says this. I must be confused. I am tired. Is that it? Oh, yeah. Verse 7. Because you've been my help, he's speaking of the Father, therefore in the what? Shadow of your wings. Now, listen. What's he say? I will rejoice, my soul follows close behind you, your right hand upholds me. So David made a quality decision of his will. I will rejoice. So when you come in on Sunday morning, whether you don't feel good, 
whether you're half asleep, you don't feel spiritual, you don't feel like praising the Lord, you will say this to yourself, soul, you will rejoice. Soul, you will rejoice in the Lord your God. Amen? Give voice to your joy. In other words, you need to tell your flesh, and I need to tell my flesh what to do. This is Micah's scripture. In Micah chapter 7 and verse 8, it says this, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. See, what's that convey to you and I? That's an attitude. No matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, I will arise. I will Rejoice. Now look at Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And you know this, I've quoted this scripture many times. This is, this is a wonderful hymn of faith. Because you have, you've got the same three words. And that's how I want you to, I want you to leave knowing these three words. It's as though the fig tree may not blossom. Nor fruit beyond the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Boy, it's depressing, isn't it? But what's he say? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's good. So you and I are going to have to have that, that mindset and that heart's attitude. I will joy. I will rejoice. Now, how many have ever said God is love? Ever said that? Well, I'm going to give you a new one. God is joy. Say it with me. God is joy. You don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you from Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17. Because I already gave you the word in Habakkuk, I will joy. And we're going to see the same Hebrew word here in Zephaniah 3.17. I'll read it to you. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Who's going to rejoice over you and I? The Father. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. For joy are leaping for joy. So this is what this word in the Hebrew means. Joy, leaping for joy, are spinning for joy. Now that's your creator doing that over you and I. Did you ever think about that? That God would dance over you and I? Most people think God is going to dance on them. No. He, he takes great pleasure and joy in you and I, his creation. And that's the same word that we find in Habakkuk, that we find in Zephaniah. That's what that word, Hebrew word, G-I-L, means. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will rejoice over you with dancing, leaping for joy, or spinning around. Amen? Now... I'm going to read to you a number of scriptures in closing. And there's so many, and uh, but these are good, 
And uh, so I just want you to listen. I'll read them to you. Let them go down deep in your heart. John 15, verse 11. Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be empty. Fall. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. John 16, 24. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you will receive that your joy may be full. Maybe some of us need to ask. John 17, 13. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only imparts spiritual gifts, but the Holy Spirit also imparts joy, peace, and hope. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and Joy in the Holy Spirit. James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all misery. No, count it all joy if you fall. When you fall. What's that imply? Believers are going to fall. But he, but you need to get back up. Amen. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 1 Peter four thirteen. But rejoice to the extent... That you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. First John chapter one, verse four, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So are you getting the picture? You and I, our joy should be full. Now, if you let the enemy steal the word, steal your joy, did you know you can rejoice? You can get it back. Amen. John 16, 33, one more. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation, pressure, oppression, stress, adversity, crushing, squashing, and squeezing. That's what that word tribulation means. You ever feel like that? Pressure, oppression, stress, adversity, crushing, squashing, and squeezing. But be of good cheer. In other words, Jesus is saying, be full of joy, because what? I've overcome the world. We can't lose if we have revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus. So if the devil can't get your joy, he can't defeat you. He can't defeat me. Now, I can't promise you that the devil will not try to steal your joy in the next few days or the next week, but... To be forewarned is to be forearmed. You've already heard it. The devil doesn't have to steal your joy. Get the word continually, consistently on the inside, even if you don't feel like it. Program yourself with the word of God. And then when he comes around, devil, you're not going to have my goods. You're not going to have my kids. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Amen. Let's stand up. Praise God. How many of you recognize how important joy is? Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I speak the living word of God over this people. The grace of God in the days ahead to keep their joy and not allow the enemy to steal it. 
I thank you, Lord. These are a people, Lord God, that will abide in the vine. They'll abide in the word of God. And that word will abide in them. That life of Jesus will be in them. And I say in the name of Jesus, devil, you'll not steal the joy of the people of Harvest Church. Because they've been forewarned. They've been warned to guard their hearts, for out of it flow the issues of life. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the author of that joy. So, Lord God, I thank you in the days ahead for rejoicing each member, each family, Father, represented in this church, will it continually experience your joy because, Jesus, you promised us that our joy can be full. And I thank you, Lord, we're full of your joy and we're full of your glory. And we thank you for it. We believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So you're going to see joy and glory go together. You want the glory to fall here? You got to have some joy. So when you come in on Sunday, even this Sunday morning, how are you going to come in? Dragging your wagon? Rejoicing. Amen. Anything else? I, I'm going to have you, you prayed, thank you for praying. My sisters got out of the hospital today and, and, uh, they didn't have to put a pacemaker in and her, her heart rate and everything maintained, but I'm going to have you, I want you to be in agreement with me in Jesus name that they are able to sell their home quickly and find a home in Lincoln quickly. So father, your word says if two of you shall agree on earth is touching anything at all. It'll be done by you, Father in heaven. So we're in agreement tonight, Lord, as I make this request, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, for delivering my sister from from sickness and from heart issues. And now I'm thanking you, Lord God, they'll have favor that surrounds them with a shield as they go home with the airline and in the airport. They'll have no complications in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you for the sale of their home in Florida, and we thank you for leading them to the home, Lord God, that they can purchase in Lincoln again. And so, Father, we thank you, Father. You can do exceedingly abundantly above all that they might ask or think according to your power that works mightily within them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anything else? That's it. God bless you. You came in joyful, now leave joyful.